What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to the Wealth Managed podcast. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, head of retirement research for Morningstar and an adjunct professor at the American College. David, we get a lot of questions about social security claiming strategies and Social security claiming strategies shouldn't be all that interesting, right? They should be actuarially fair. In other words, it shouldn't matter whether you claim at 62 or 65 or 70, you should roughly get the same present value of social security income payments in the future. But that's not true, is it? It's not true at all. I mean, like, I mean, in theory, if you're not healthy, right, you should claim early. If you're really healthy, you should claim later. But I mean, it's it's pretty clear across the board, almost everyone should claim later, especially those that are married and get the spousal benefits, because the you know the assumptions that are used in in the formulas for Social Security are at least two or three decades old. And so, you know, today we're in an environment where interest rates are very low. A lot of folks are living a lot longer. And so it's created this kind of like almost arbitrage for retirees that if you want more income, like the first place that they should look is delay claiming Social Security. So you and I are a big fan of delayed claiming, and let's talk about why we are so big on delayed claiming. First of all, let's get this out of the way. If you are in poor health, if you've been diagnosed with cancer, if you've had a heart attack, if you're if you have diabetes, you know all of these are reasons to not delay until the age of seventy. To potentially not delay, even if you're in poor health, delaying to age seventy can make a lot of sense based upon the age of your spouse. Exactly. Okay, so that is a great point. And, and one of the points that we want to make, I mean, first of all, expected longevity matters a lot, but not just the expected longevity of you, the expected longevity of your spouse for those spousal benefits. So we'll get to that. What are some of the trends in longevity that we see in the United States that affect the benefits from delayed claiming? Well, I think one of the most important benefits is this idea of improvement in life expectancy where individuals are living longer. And what's interesting is that the improvement in life expectancy is happening most with wealthier Americans, right, who receive the highest benefits. And so the fact that people keep living longer and longer kind of further nudges individuals that can afford to do so, delay claiming as long as possible. Now, we all know that age 62 is still the most common benefit to claim for retirement and that most people don't have actually anything safe for retirement. And so what you're really talking about in this discussion is individuals that have a decision to make about when to claim. You, you know, you shouldn't claim before full retirement age if you're working with income because there's some giving a taxation on your benefits, but individuals that have the active choice to maybe say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to spin down my savings versus delay claiming for the vast majority of those folks, given what we've seen with changes in mortality rates, makes a lot of sense to wait as long as they possibly can. And one of the most interesting trends I've seen is that, I mean, first of all, higher income Americans are living a lot longer. That is a surprise. And so what that means is that there is a population that is most likely to be clients of financial advisors who could definitely receive a higher expected net present value from future social security payments because they are more likely to be alive to receive those payments, say, into their 80s and 90s. Now, the other element here that we need to talk about is interest rates, because 
what rate should we use? Like, let's say you're a 65 year old woman, you're in good health. You have a 50% chance of living to the age of 90 if you are in very good health. How do you value that payment from social security that you're not gonna see for another 25 years? You may place very little value on it, but the reality is that if you were an actuary, you would actually place a significant value on that payment. And one of the reasons right now why that payment is so valuable is because discount rates on after inflation cash flows are so low. Right. I mean, technically, the, the calculation you use to estimate the value of benefits is what's called a mortality weighted net present value. You discount it by an interest rate and by mortality. And I think that one thing people don't often realize is that the discount rate for Social Security is the yield on government bonds. And to your point, on inflation-linked bonds. And the real yield today is effectively zero or negative, right? It's the value of benefits. And so, like, if you're a married couple, the value of your benefits is like 20x the annual payment. And so for a lot of folks, it's it's incredibly significant. You can create more value by delayed claiming. To your point, though, I think a lot of advisors understand the benefits of delayed claiming. But just to poke the bear, I think there's, there's often an incentive not to do so. They kind of wave that flag of, oh, you know, the trust fund's underfunded. Because, you know, if, for example, your door A is is retire at 62 and claim immediately, or door B is claim at 70, but spend on your portfolio between those ages. You know, I, I wonder how many advisors would, would, would tell a client that, hey, you know, door B where you delay claiming to 70 makes the most sense given where rates are and everything else. Well, one of the points of contention I may have with financial advisors about delayed claiming is that they use assumptions that are not necessarily consistent with what an economist would use to estimate the value of delayed claiming. One of those assumptions is a discount rate that is higher than the rates that you could get on tips right now. So why not use a corporate bond rate to discount future cash flows? Why not use a expected return on an investment portfolio? Because you know, by delayed claiming, you're going to have to take money out of your IRA to fund spending, let's say between 62 and 70, you could have earned a higher rate of return on the money that you took out. Why not use a higher discount rate? Well, in theory, you could earn a higher rate of return. The markets are highly uncertain. I think that the discount rate needs to reflect the risk, right? In the grand scheme of things, Social Security is a government bond, right? It's not a traditional bond that pays you a coupon that you get it all back at maturity. It is a government bond that pays you as long as you're alive every month. And I think that too often, to your point, advisors are going to say, well, I'm going to use a, a higher discount rate. And a higher discount rate implies uncertainty. Now, you know, we can obviously touch briefly on the fact that the trust fund is underfunded and that if, you know, if things don't change in a decade or so, benefits could be cut. But to be honest, Social Security is a government bond. And, and that's the perspective you should take in terms of valuation. And, and that means, you know, what I often say to advisors, if you are so certain that you can get a higher rate of return after inflation adjustment than investors can get on tips, then you're free to do inflation swaps or any other type of strategy where you bet on it with your own money, but you shouldn't necessarily bet on it with your client's money. This is what the market, the value the market places on future inflation protected income. And it is a high amount because the market is worried about inflation. So it is a very valuable thing. You should use market rates to estimate the value. Now, the value, that net present value, even if it were negative, would it still be worth potentially delayed claiming even if it were negative? Of course. I mean, I think that knowing that you have guaranteed income for life that is adjusted for inflation, that is tax advantaged, 
with a spousal survivor benefit, I think that it's just tough to beat. You know, the, the relative benefits of delay claiming changes as interest rates change. If we get back to a, an environment where interest rates are like 10% a year, it's a very different conversation, right? But, you know, today I look out at the landscape and I say that if you want, if you want a safe place to have retirement income, you really can't beat Social Security. I mean, the thing is, unlike an annuity that's priced based upon market rates, Social Security isn't, right? Right. And there have been studies, academic studies, that show that the value of guaranteed income is such because it protects against idiosyncratic longevity risk that you can actually inflate the value of the net present value by about 30% to get the utility or welfare equivalent value of annuitized income. In other words, you know that when you buy an annuity in the private sector, the NPV is never going to be positive because the insurance company has to make a little bit of money on that contract, but you're still willing to do it because the value of lifetime income is such that you're willing to trade a bond portfolio for a lifetime income. And with social security, you're getting the exact same thing. Not only are you getting a lifetime income, but you're also getting a certain amount of protection against the erosion of inflation later on in life. So I think I think you'll agree with me, but I'm gonna push back slightly on what you just said. I think that the value, the net present value of an annuity in the private market can actually be positive when you reflect the discount rates. I think that there's a benefit to the state guarantee association structure where the benefits within an annuity are effectively guaranteed. So you can potentially use government bond-like interest rates, you know, to reflect a private annuity that does create you know, a positive net present value, especially today. Yeah, this, we found this in our own research that annuity pricing actually tends to be surprisingly attractive and some of them can actually have a positive NPV compared to bond investments. Let's take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Learn how a goal-based approach redefines 21st century investment with our Wealth Management Certified Professional designation. Bring your value to a new level at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. Deliver financial planning for every person and every need through our Chartered Financial Consultant Education Program. Find the tools and skills you need at theamericancollege.edu slash chfc. So some other aspects of Social Security that are interesting is that the value of delayed claiming is not the same every year. So if you are a healthy retiree, the difference between 63 and 64 is maybe for a healthy woman, like $19,000. And the difference between 64 and 65 is $29,000. In other words, it's almost 50% higher for delaying for an additional year. What is up with that? Well, now, okay, that's true. But to be fair, you're talking about like, what is the actual value though? Like $400,000. And so, I mean, it is a big number. But in, you know, as a percentage of the total economic value, it's not that huge. I think to your point, it's just the weird idiosyncrasies of how the benefit formulas work, right? So how do the benefit formulas work? The benefit of delaying claiming benefits varies by age, right? So it can go up 5%, it can go up 6 and 2 thirds, so they can go up 8%. You know, there's the assumed discount rates, there's mortality rates. It isn't a smooth ride, right? It is a little lumpy just using generic data, but imagine it, it becomes even more lumpy looking at, you know, individual circumstances. So if you're an advisor, if you have a client who's thinking of claiming their social security at age 64, no, wait a few more months, wait, wait another year, claim at 65, because you're 
going to get that bump up that is significant. You get another bump up later on, but you know, we actually find that the lowest benefit that you get from delayed claiming is actually between 69 and 70. So you, you start that 8% rate at 67, you get it again at 68, 69. That last one, it obviously is more valuable because if earlier on at age 68, you're, you're more likely to have more years of life than from getting that same benefit increase between 69 and 70. So the net present value is actually lowest between 69 and 70. So don't stress out a huge amount about claiming at 69 versus 70, but do stress out about claiming at 64 versus 65. So this is Chris, the producer, talking again. Should I tell my advisor or should I adjust my future amount that I think I'm going to get to help me with the fact that I may be getting less in 2030? So I, I think you can. I think the one mistake a lot of advisors make is they assume it's going to be zero, and that is just wrong. We've developed tools that advisors use, and it can adjust the expected benefit. So if you want to be super conservative, I think you can. I think the odds of someone that's close to retirement receiving a large benefit cut are, are pretty close to zero. If you're younger, say you're 30 or 40 years old, I think that there's a pretty good chance that your eventual benefits won't be nearly as rich as they are today. David, do you think there's an incentive for some advisors to be overly pessimistic to encourage their clients to save more? Yes. Is that a problem? Yes. Why? Well, because it's in the advisor's interest for people to save money, right? I mean, they get paid money on average to manage portfolios, and so they want you to save more. Now, I mean, I get it. At the same time, you know, they want to ensure that individuals have enough to accomplish their goals, but I don't think it's reasonable to assume that Social Security is going to be gone and not there to help fund your retirement lifestyle. Yeah, we, we've talked about this before, but there is an incentive to get people to forego their spending today, which is what happens when you save. You don't live as well today as you could in order to potentially live better in retirement. But if you end up at retirement and you have a relatively generous social security payment, you have lots of money in the bank, you've built a base of income, then by the time you hit your 80s, you're not spending as much as you planned. And it's actually a mistake to oversave. It means that you've left joy on the table in life, especially early in life, where you probably could have enjoyed it more than if you had a bunch of money to spend when you're in your 90s. Again, if I had to pick, you know, do you over or under save? You know, you'd rather oversave than understate, but I think like that's the key behind reasonable assumptions and everything else, right? So I think that yes, you want people to save enough for retirement, but I, it really bothers me when I've heard advisors say, I don't even include social security in, in my projections because it'll be a bonus, because that requires like a doubling of the savings rate, which just isn't very realistic. True. So the last point I think we need to make about social security is one of the most most important points, I think. And that is that if you're a higher earner and you have a lower earning spouse. Now, there are a lot more women these days that are the higher earning spouse within an opposite sex married household. So their husband is going to be eligible for their higher social security benefit when they die. Now, this is a bigger deal, frankly, for men because men on average don't live as long and women tend to live longer. And if it's a higher earning male, even if they're in poor health, as you said before, it makes a lot of sense because you're not looking just at their actuarial table, you're looking at the actuarial table of the spouse. And for the spouse, that benefit is hugely valuable. So if you're if you're a male and a high earner and your spouse earned less, then absolutely 
take the money out of your IRA to fund spending up to the age of 70, then delay as much as possible because it's that spouse that's going to benefit from that lifetime income. Right. And I mean, you know, there's there's other benefits, too, in terms of taxation and just the security. So I think that, you know, it really is a complex decision. I mean, it's it's effectively irrevocable. And so it really is something that I think advisors that are need to be well versed in to help clients make the best uh, decision they possibly can. So you mentioned the point earlier that there is going to be resistance among clients and financial advisors because they think Social Security is going to go bankrupt. It is set to go bankrupt now. The newest estimate is 2026. What does that mean? Does that mean there's no money left? And I think that's the biggest misconception, right? Like all that that means is that the trust fund that exists to pay benefits beyond what they receive in revenue is at zero, right? So if nothing changes, the estimates are that benefits would be cut by let's just say 20 to 25%. That's like the, the rough estimate, but that doesn't mean that it's gone. Like I don't, I think the odds of us getting rid of our, our social welfare system retirement are approximately zero. We're not gonna have, you know, like grandma living off cat food. I think that there's a possibility of a benefits cut, but I think that that's highly unlikely that, that existing retirees would ever experience a benefit cut just because they, they vote. And that would be very unpopular to, to cut grandma's benefits. Well, what do you think? Well, we should make the point that even if they do get cut, so a worst case scenario, which I think is, I agree with you, is completely unrealistic. It's never going to happen. But the absolute worst case scenario is that everybody's benefits get cut by 21%. And if that happens, then that net present value calculation really doesn't change much. If you delayed, you're just going to get a higher payment that's been reduced by 21%, as opposed to claiming for a few years early and then getting a slightly higher payment, but then that payment gets whacked by 21%. So when you do net present value calculations, it doesn't really affect the mathematics all that much. Even if there is a benefit cut, the value of delayed claiming is still there. Now, I agree with you that there's just no way that politicians are gonna throw up their hands and say, yeah, everybody's gonna get a 21% cut in their social security. They will never get elected again. It's called the third rail of politics for a reason. So I think what is going to happen is that taxes, payroll taxes are probably going to rise, that the increase in inflation that you get in the future is probably going to be decreased slightly. They're going to use a chained CPI or some other method that reduces the rate of increase. And that has some implications when it comes to the value of the inflation adjustment of future payments for Social Security. But I think there's going to be tweaks made along the way that are going to prevent that benefit cut. And it may mean that the value is reduced a little bit, but for everybody, and it doesn't affect the calculus of delayed claiming all that much. Right. I mean, I think to your point, while it's true that there's likely to be changes in benefits for future workers, it's probably not going to affect retirees. Even that it doesn't actually really affect when you should claim for benefits. I think that there is a real fear there, but you need to understand the implications of of who it actually affects and how it affects the decision. And in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not going to make delay claiming better. Now, if interest rates rise significantly, that changes. As long as we're in this low rate environment, you know, using the existing mortality tables for the benefit changes, I think it, it makes sense today to delay as long as you possibly can. I think it does too. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for today's podcast. I'm Michael Finka. And I'm David Blanchett. See you all later. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services. 